feeling this here. Yeah, son, you feel it, man. Roll up, son. You gotta just do it, yo. Yeah, man. Yo, roll up, man. It's a different channel, son. Roll up, on, man. Roll up, watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. Roll up, all good, baby, in every hood, son. Roll up, yeah. CNN, Network Channel 10. It's on again. Network Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, got in your face. Stay in place, yo, crime late. Cast more beef than Scarface. This call is now being Network recorded. Channel 10. Okay, again. we are back. Channel 10 Podcast. Channel10podcast.com and all of that and all of that. So um, when we left off, we were just about to get into this busy bone. Yeah, Video. yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess as a little intro, you know, I guess we all have uh, our Google Alerts. Um, out there, and I have three Google alerts right now. You know, one, two up on my research, one on the five tribes, five civilized tribes, um, one on all black towns, and one on Busy Bone. Mm. Um, you know, he's been someone that ever since high school, you know, he's just been coming out with crazy independent albums. I just never had it. I, I haven't been able to really fully always know what's going on with them. So then this random article by Chaz Kangas or Congas, I'm pretty sure it's Kangas though, um, came out on, in the OC Weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, he does like, a, he, apparently, because I've heard of his name before, he does like other things for like, you know, Complex and um, other uh, music websites, but he seems like he has like this blog, I'm always on OC Weekly. Um, and so he has this blog entitled this post called Busy Bones, Money in a Ziploc Bag is Truly a Timeless Classic. Wow. Um, and I think, I, I think we, we, haven't we talked about Busy Bones or Money in a Ziploc Bag in one of these videos, I mean, one of these episodes? I don't know if we did. I mean, we talk about it all the time. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's why I got really excited about it. Um, but to make the long story short, he kind of like you know talks about BET Uncut, and um his, and pretty much his argument for this article was that um that um that this money in his live bag, bag video is one of the most important rap videos of the new millennium, mm. and he says this because he talks about the music industry of 2000, and he's saying that you know you gotta remember that people were spending money like crazy. Um, that any other time in recorded history between albums and whatnot. And then within, and it was kind of reflective on people's, um, hunger for any type of anything music, any type of musical content at the time. And of course, you know, this is where music videos, you know, come from when it comes to us. You know, we, we talked, I think last episode, one of these episodes about Lil Wayne and how we didn't hear Lollipop until we saw the music video. Right. Which I think is really um, a good example. And it goes into BT and how Viacom um, recently acquired it around this time, and how it turned um, Rap City into into it from being, I guess, kind of where um, the host would, you know, um, where the host would be, like in different in various locations, and, and turn Rap City into the basement. Right. Around the same time too, which I actually I forgot about. And then we get, you know, in 2001, BT Uncut, and he says that, um, he says that, uh, when Money in the Ziploc Bag came out, it was on BT Uncut as we know, 
but it was the first time a big name rapper, which he does have in his name quotations, a big t- a big name rapper um, has a, c- a clip on the program, and then he's saying, you know, from this this um this one video, then you have you know your uh, your tip drills and um other um I guess rather big name artists would do end up you know, having videos on BET Uncut. That's right, because, yeah, matter of fact, now that I think about it, around that time, part of your marketing strategy was to have a crazy video that could only be played on BET Uncut. And one example that I have for that is that one song off of um, 50 Cent's second album. Um, no, Disco Inferno? Yeah, Disco Inferno. And I just remember that video changing my life because it was the first time I saw... Uh, butt cheeks with a butterfly tattoo, and when Shorty was shaking it, it was like the butterfly was flapping its wings. Okay. <laughs> well, okay, well, and then I think I was going to go into something, I guess, a bit more, I guess, more social in the fact that, um, because, you know, like, you were, like, the shit, if you could, like, come, if you could go back to school and say, yeah, I watched BET Uncut, or yeah, I saw, I saw the whole BET Uncut to a certain extent. And, uh, you know, it was a really big thing in the life of a teenage boy. <laughs> 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 to see to see nothing but, you know, to, to see big-breasted women and, and big butts for a good hour. <laughs> <laughs> and no more internet porn. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's the thing, like, um... And the guy does say, like, this is pre-YouTube, so, you know, like, having something like this, although, you know, we kind of see it as kind of silly, it was really important, you know, for the, you know, just, just for what it was to see big-breasted women, you know, at 3, three in the morning, but it gave, but then more importantly, though, he does go into it kind of sort of that it gave independent rappers a new avenue to get their music, their, their music played. Yeah. And heard so you know, and actually, um, just looking at, and this is like an idea I had for maybe like a, a bigger blog post, which I didn't really want to um, exactly say. Maybe someone could take the idea, although I mean it has been done, um, but I'm, I want to do it in, in a different way. Um, just some some rabbits that you know we. I'm not going to go too deep into because it kind of takes away from from the blog post. But I will say that one rapper that I forgot who actually had um, a BT Uncut thing video. I think I know who you're thinking about. All right, who? Uh, from Baltimore? No, 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 not from Baltimore because I was I forgot about that too, though, actually. <laughs> um, a New York dude who's always around us. Um, oh, who's associated, but Yeah, AZ. I don't even remember that one. That was the avid BET Uncut Watcher. Yeah, AZ, take it off. <laughs> oh, hold on. What album was that from? You know, if I had to guess, I mean, because I had no idea. If I had to guess, it's probably like 99 Lives. Damn. I mean, no, I mean, my bad. No, nine, is it 99 or 9 Lives? Because um, I know that that's I around the same. 9 Lives. Oh, yeah, yeah, he had 9 Lives, and he had. It was like around, like he had like two, two songs, like two albums, kind of like around the same time. And like one is like kind of New York, I think, and then the other one is kind of like 
him trying to get some money. Oh, um, Nine Lives and Asiatic. Yeah, I think I think Nine Lives never came out officially, or something like that. Because I remember back, you know, before the internet, when all we had was the Source magazine. I remember them having something about it in the little underground corner or whatever. No, it came out. It did. Here's yeah, I hope it didn't come out. Or maybe, I mean, maybe it's, it's like, like Final Call. Oh, yeah, Final Call, yeah. I, 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 I clearly remember when this one, because I remember my brother, he had it. I think he even had it on cassette, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but Wikipedia says it managed to sell over 435,000 copies, though. Wow. Um, and then I think it goes back to what the article says about... um. You know, like rappers, like any rapper at this time, they were selling crazy records for no reason. <laughs> Just because it was a rap album. And um, when I read the article, I was thinking about um, Q-Tip and his um, his Amplified album. And, you know, this, and all, for the listeners, yeah, yeah, we know this, this is, I know this is based on Wikipedia. But, you know, if you want to go into Wikipedia and how it's ran, it's a bit more um, safe to use that source. It's kind of sort of, I would, I would say, nowadays compared to when it first came out. Yeah. Um, I remember, I, and maybe it's changed now, but the Q, I remember, like, going on, YouTube, um, on Wikipedia and Q-Tip, the, the Apple Amplified, they said that it sold 98,000 copies in this first week. Mm. Now... Now, I mean, Vibrant Thing, it was a pretty big song. You know, it got, like, a lot of spins between radio and especially for, for music videos. But just thinking about the fact that Q-Tip can sell 98,000 copies in his first week, it's crazy for me to think in the year 2014, 2015. I mean, he had, he had, he had two big hits off that album and then one minor hit. He had... Vibrant Thing, which had all them remixes to it. Then he had Breathe and Stop. Don't forget that song. And then he okay. had Ride. Mm, 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 mm. Ride, I, I. Now, come on. Oh, I forgot about this song. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I guess this is kind of getting off topic, but going into that album, Amplified, um, you know, it was kind of looked at as a sellout move at the time. But when you go back and listen to that album, man, even those quote-unquote sellout tracks, man, I'm joints with dope. I think Jay Dilla produced that whole album. Well, yeah, but that's the thing, though. It wasn't really... Because um, if you go to his Red Bull Music Academy... Let me write that down. His Red Bull Music Academy um, interview. Mm-hmm. And did you ever watch, the, watch it all the way through? Nah, because the first part was just so boring and I couldn't come back to it. <laughs> oh, yeah, about the uh, the, the, uh, the three-bar loops. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah, yeah. So I went back to it. I mean, well, mind you, I think I was like pretty drunk when I watched it. But, <laughs> um, but um, he talks about like you know how how people really got on him about vibrant thing. I mean, about the album. Mm-hmm. But looking back on it, it really it's it's a really boom babish album. I mean, even like um, a vibrant thing, I can respect it because it's actually it's a grimy beat. Yeah, I mean the way the sample is, it don't, don't, don't like that. The like them, like, like them dirty sounding guitars on it and them drums. Like, I mean, because I mean, cause, I mean, it, it's nothing. It doesn't exactly sound like it, but it's kind of like in the same vein of the Mark Deep One Twelve song that we mentioned in, in the previous episodes. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, but anyway, I guess it's a, it's a reflection of the time between you know between how many albums how many albums he sold in his first week, which is still amazing. Because I think even I think Wikipedia said that they be like number like ten or eleven on the charts. <laughs> and you know that's crazy when you think about you know Q-Tip's last album and how oh my goodness that album was so dope and I know it probably it probably sold. To date, it probably sold what um, his his first album sold his first week. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, like you, you, someone like well, I guess he, he has he has a lot, he has a lot to like really like a lot of things that he's done that makes up for it. The fact that if you think about it, he could kind of be like a bit of rapper to a certain extent, at least when it comes to a solo career. Yeah. I mean, he had Vibrant Thing, and I mean, I'm assuming that the album, I'm assuming the album is, they eventually went gold. I'm not entirely sure. But, you know, come off the abstract. Um, the whole thing about that, and how I think he eventually, he, he got his masters back or whatever like that. Um, but then he finally came out with it, and I mean, really, no one really, it seemed like no one cared about it that much. I mean, I remember, um, I think it was in the source. Uh, I remember reading this long, like, drawn-out article about this album and how he did it and how he learned how to play all these instruments. And it was just, like, so much hype for it. And then just for them to announce that it wasn't coming out. And, you know, it kind of reminds me, I guess, you know, back then you couldn't just go left like that if if your label was um, used to a certain thing. It's kind of like, you know, for the listeners who don't know it, like going from uh, his first album Amplified to Kamal the Abstract would be like going from Kendrick Lamar's uh, Good Kid, Mad City to his new album to Pepper Butterfly, like, just the difference in sound and just taking it that left, but just a little bit more extreme, maybe. I mean, well, I think, I think it was Q-Tip, and he mentioned that, you know, I think L.A. Reid was, he was a part of the, the label that Q-Tip was with during the time when Kamal the after it came out, mm. and, you know, he, he goes to wherever he goes to L.A. Reid, and um, he, he comes out with, you know, speaker box and fill up below. Although I mean, and you know, I was and I was kind of thinking about it, but I think Outkast it kind of they they kind of you know you can kind of see where they were going at, especially with Spangonia. It's you know like Sorry Miss Jackson the way it was, yeah. so it's not it wasn't surprising that Andre 3000 started breaking out the singing and shit. Yeah. Although I mean, Hey Ya is just a, and I mean, but although I mean. I mean, but he did have hey, uh, he had roses, you know, things that people could dance to, and, and they're, they're pretty, they're really, I mean, they're intricate, but they're simple, at least with the lyrics. I hate it, hey, uh, I still I mean, hate I think, that song. I mean, I mean, but it's like a really upbeat, I mean, it's really off kilter, but, um... I mean, I can't, I, I can't catch the beat to hey, uh, like, I, I, I just don't understand that song, like, I can uh I can catch the beat better to David Brubeck's Take Five, which is a five four time signature than I can to hear ya. I just don't I don't oh, understand as long as constructed. Well, okay, well, well hold on, all right, so because I know you always bring up David Brubeck and Five Four, and we and we talk about um Outkast and and how they would like and how they do three four, 
Yeah. Um. So because I mean I'm I'm I don't, I don't understand I don't understand Hey Y'all either. Is that three four or is it? Hold on. What's wrong? Uh. Hey Y'all. I, I that, don't that even know. That, that is. I think it's three. Cause that is that is no. That's not four four. I think it's three four. It has to be because he still kind of raps. Like it reminds me. Like it's kind of like E.T. Aliens ish in a way. Kind of sort of like the way that his flow. So I'm assuming that's three four ish. Ah man, I have no idea, man. I haven't heard that song in so long. Like I, I really don't like that song. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm thinking. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know, but um, but yeah. So I mean, you can kind of see what he was going with it, and then Q-Tip comes out of nowhere, and but you know he. Well, I think it, it was a different Q-tip because he came up with like vibrant thing. He's talking about something that, that people actually want to hear, and yeah. it's not abstract. And then he comes out with because you know that the Kamali abstract album was really um, it was it was really it was really abstract. <laughs> like even like on track six on on, uh, on Blue Girl, he That's my you know, favorite song. I mean, it's my favorite song too, right? But then at, toward the end, you know, he has like that that long pause, mm-hmm. and then it comes back out of nowhere and scares the shit out of you. <laughs> and then he and, then, and he's like, yeah, yeah, the birds. <laughs> like, I mean, I I think I get it. I think I get what he meant by that. But you know. People want to hear about vibrant things, and you know they go on and on and on. They're not about him talking about a depressed ass girl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, I guess this goes back into my thing. I think I mentioned it on a previous episode, and I've mentioned it um, off air. Um, I guess it kind of goes to what you're listening to music for. And with Kamal the Abstract, um, you know, coming into the project, I knew what it was and what it was supposed to be. So I wasn't listening for lyrics as much as I was for music, you know? Yeah. And, like, he could have been talking about purple dinosaurs and gray unicorns, but... That music was just rocking, especially on that one particular song. Like, just the musicality of it really caught my ear before I even listened to the lyrics. And, you know, sometimes music is so dope that you just rock to the song and don't even, uh, you might never get to the lyrics, you know? I mean, yeah. Um, and, um, an example I have of that is, uh, D'Angelo's new album. <laughs> Well, you can't really understand what you're saying half the time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and um, I was listening to, um, I was listening to, uh, what's that podcast called? Um, In the Conversation with uh, Damian Lemon, uh, Vladimir Kermanyo, and Ali Muhammad. Um, and um, they were actually talking about how, um, and it's one thing that never occurred to me, um, because, you know, Vladimir, he's a uh, Hispanic, and he was talking about Kendrick Lamar's new album and just rap in general. And he mm-hmm. was talking about how he has, you know, I guess him coming up on, like, you know, bachata and, you know, uh, salsa and, and, and uh, merengue-type music. Uh, when it comes to rap, 
he has trouble catching the lyrics sometimes. And it's like, you know, he might have to write it down or might have to go look up the lyrics and really break down what the artist is talking about. It just doesn't come to him. And it's funny because, you know, the black people on the show, Damian Lemon and uh, Ali Muhammad, were talking about R&B and how with a lot of R&B records, that's how they feel. Like, sometimes you can't catch an R&B lyric, but it just sounds good when they're singing it. And then they brought up that D'Angelo album, like, you don't know what he's talking about. And they thought about going back to go look at the lyrics, but you're like, nah, just let it rock, you know? <laughs> mm. And, like, you know, sometimes, especially when you have an R&B artist who's real deep into histrionics and, you know, just showing off their vocal prowess, you're not necessarily listening for what they're saying, but it's more so how they're delivering it and how they fit to the beat. And mm -hmm. You know, I guess that's kind of like with certain rappers as well, uh, Young Thug, Future, et cetera, Mumblecore. <laughs> is that is that like a new term now? Uh, I've heard it described. I, I've actually heard it described more for most deaf because you know how he be like mumbling on tracks that's not really mixed down sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, I. Uh, I attribute it to, you know, these uh, auto-tune rappers as well, and Kanye West does it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I I, I just, yeah, Mumblecore, they, uh, there's a Wikipedia. Oh, but Mumblecore, so Mumblecore is a subgenre of independent film characterized by low-budget production values and amateur actors heavily <laughs> <laughs> focused on naturalistic dialogue. No, alright, right, actually that, that reminds me because when um when I was uh I was uploading the uh, the, uh, the the latest episode mm -hmm. to uh to YouTube <laughs> um I you know, pretty much what I do, I just copy everything that you put up on the SoundCloud and so I was looking through like the tags and I put in Mumblecore and I said, Oh, this, this must be like the new thing like you know, like the futures and like the you know, the young thugs out there. Yeah, I, I um, I mean, I heard somebody use it for most deaf, and I was like, I'm about to start using this for these auto tune rappers, <laughs> or like these rappers who you really, you know, these mumble mouth dudes who you really don't know what they're saying. And it's not even just auto tune rappers. I mean, um, it's you know, you know, it's a lot of different people sometimes. I mean, there's most deaf. There's uh, a lot of dudes from the south. Um, there's uh, a lot of a lot of Jamaican artists. Um, there's uh, I don't know, like a lot of dudes who just speak regularly and regular conversation with fronts on. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I would consider their whole conversation mumblecore. <laughs> I mean, actually, you know, I mean, I, I I understand that. I mean, you know, being a uh, an owner of fronts, I I know how to do it. When was the you wore your fronts? Oh man. Uh, um, it's been actually last semester. I I won the class twice. <laughs> what was the reaction to that? Um, that's a good question. I mean, it was. Everyone looked at me like I was crazy, but sometimes people do that anyway. <laughs> um, I mean, they just kind of looked at it you know, as I was talking, and that was pretty much it. They never asked me about it. Oh, man. Uh, 
Man, you gotta wear your front somewhere social this week and uh <laughs> come back and tell the listeners how that went down. <laughs> I mean you I, I mean, I think the most niggerish I've ever been or urban I'm not gonna say well urban, I guess you can say. Um it was uh at when I was in LA and I had a meeting with like with, like with my writing professor or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. And and I had like I had my fronts in, you know, I had I had like my hair like in a big ass afro with like a pig in it. And um I had like a this thing where I would smoke afterward and I'll start writing. So then I had like a um a cigarello in my ear because I didn't want it you know, I didn't want it to uh to, to crush in my skinny jeans or whatever like that. <laughs> and she was looking at me. She did like she did like a ten second look at me, um Looking at me up and down before we even start talking about my research. <laughs> <laughs> it was really like, awkward. Did you do that on purpose, or it just happened that you just were just super uh, urban that day? I mean, it just happened that way. I mean, I mean, because sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll realize that I'm like really urban one day, and. I just don't exactly fit the, I guess the, uh, the, 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 the usual. Well, I mean, actually, I never do. But I mean, if I'm extra urban, then I, I usually realize myself. No one really comes out and tells me. Mm. Usually, a teacher will say something like, you know, that I need to, you know, get a, a suit and look like one of Obama's agents or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. So. But um, I guess uh, going back to uh, BT Uncut, man. I don't know, and it's funny that you know we mentioned BT Uncut, and I guess maybe you had it planned. Um, but you know we talked about a lot of things that we didn't even talk about before this show, and we haven't talked about damn near anything that we uh, <laughs> uh talked about. But um. This kind of goes to something that you uh, mentioned on speaking on um, before the show. You remember a BT Uncut video called "What That Thing Smell Like" by Black Jesus? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's what, actually that's why I uh, I wanted to talk about Black Jesus. <laughs> like, yo, that song. I mean that that was the classic BT Uncut song, and you know, I remember like. It was crazy because at that time, that was in high school, and uh, my girlfriend at the time, like, that was her, like, favorite song, and she used to come to school, like, singing that joint. And, really? Like, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I can't. Yeah. I mean, all right. And sometimes, you know, you know, the people who, you know, were up on game, sometimes we would just all just have a moment where we would just sing that song. All right, so this is the thing about the, these types of um, videos. Mm-hmm. Do you think your your ex, you know, knowing, I guess, her rather suburban upbringing, do you think it was more because of her sur- because of her su- suburban upbringing, or was it just because she just liked the song? I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say her her. her uh, upbringing was suburban. Like, her upbringing was suburban, I guess, kind of like how my upbringing was kind of suburban, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, yeah, but you know, you you were in very you were you were all over the place in various places. <laughs> like how how I am now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I guess you know. I mean, because you know she was uh, urban, but not really exposed to that or whatever. But um, I want to say it's just because she liked the song based off of the shot value of it, you know, and just mm-hmm. how like. Damn near corny and crazy it was at the same time, but it was still very catchy to the point where I, I'm trying to kick it tonight. Ooh, <laughs> now let me tell you, um, now baby, now, let me what <laughs> that dang smell like. Like that's something that's always gonna remain in my head to the day I die. That melody. <laughs> oh no, now wait, now did did you like look it up, or did you like just throw that off the top of your head? That's on top of my head. Um, all right, because all right. Um, the uh, the the Busy Bone article mentioned the Black Jesus thing, and then so I said, I said that sounds really familiar. And then I, so I went to it before we um, recorded, and I said, Oh my God, I remember this shit. <laughs> and then it got me into like a whole nother conversation in my head about the term Black Jesus, since you know we had the Black Jesus cartoon on well show on Adult Swim. And then I wanted to to know who else had who um, other people that have called themselves Black Jesus, mm. and surprisingly enough, we met we we met a Black Jesus. <laughs> we met a Black Jesus. Let me think yes. of who that might be. Okay. Um, oh, and uh, just a sidebar. Um, remember the place where we just were. Uh, a little while ago when we were talking about the alcoholics and I had something to say, but I forgot what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I wanted to know, do you still have that tape? Or maybe, no, you know what? I have the tape. I think I took it from... Uh, the ODB one? Yeah, 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 yeah. The ODB and alcoholics record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um... I think I may. I, I don't know. I'm not. Enti- I'm not entirely sure. I think I have it actually. Not cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I. I, I think I saved that one. But yeah, you know, you know, speaking on black Jesuses, or big baby Jesuses, or whatever. But you said we met a black Jesus. Yeah. Who was that? Oh, it's gonna be pretty random when we were um in in Times Square. <laughs> Um, and we we ran to the Harlem Six guy. Harlem oh Six. man! Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, his name. His, oh man, what's his, right, his Well, his name is Black Jesus, but it's like it's it's more than just Black Jesus. Yeah, Lord Black Jesus Harrison. Wow! Shout out to the Harlem Six. Yeah, I mean, actually, you know that uh, the the, the mixtape that we the mixtape that we got, it was actually really good. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Um, yeah, but shout out to Harlem Six and shout out to uh, because I told you that um, I had a I had another running with them with uh, Black Jesus in Harlem. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the same exact guy. Yeah, and he he pointed me to where the uh, the uh, the headquarters of the nations and gods and earths were. Mm. Or is rather. Yeah. Yeah, shout out, peace to the gods and the earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Um, I was just went. I was looking for Black Jesuses, and I came across him. He comes up on uh, on Wikipedia, and they're like, uh, you know, Black Jesus may refer to. Him. 
Mm. Well, I mean, um, it's an accomplishment in life if you have your Wikipedia page, or even if you're mentioned on the Wikipedia page. So, enough respect. Yeah, and there's also, and I'm sure you you know this, um, a song from Tupac, from Tupac and the Outlaws called Black Jesus. Oh, yeah, I do vaguely remember that song. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, well, at least we know that a Black Jesus rapper did exist before the uh, the White Jesus. <laughs> Ritz. Shout out to Ritz. Yeah, shout out to Ritz. He's dope. But, um, yeah, so yeah, the um the looks. Um, no, no. The only thing about the looks is that you know. Oh, yeah, like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The ODB. Um, um, when you you know talking about Black Jesus, it uh, reminded me of what I was thinking of. Um, because you know ODB was uh the big baby Jesus, but he was black, so he's Black Jesus as well. Yeah, he was. It's um. He- I'm rolling with you. Jesus, I'm rolling with you. Oh, my goodness. That song, man. <laughs> <laughs> man. ODB. Uh, what was I just listening to? Um, I listened to a Raekwon interview on Ice-T's podcast, and uh, he was talking oh, about... <laughs> yeah. And he was talking about how he was real close with um, ODB. It was... He, he said he was one of the closest people to him, and um, um, just you know how, and then you know, Ice T was talking about him too. I think Ice T said he met him one time, and you know, just how crazy his style was, and how nice he had to be to even, and confident in how nice he was to even come out the way he did, you know, mm. and then um. Raekwon said that ODB, on the low, you know, he made beats and he was involved in production and, you know, formatting of songs and things like that. And, um, you know, there might be times because, you know, basically he was kind of the the, uh, life of the group. And, you know, there were times, you know, RZA was the avid or the dictator or whatever, but ODB sometimes it was, you know, whatever he said went. And then it made me think about how... um, Buster Rhymes said that, you know, listening to uh, ODB's first album kind of taught him how to structure an album. And um, Buster Rhymes was an uh, executive producer on at least one Raekwon album, um, Only Built for Cuban Links Part 2. And it's just interesting really? how, like, all that works together. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I forgot about um, Buster Rhymes being involved in Only Built for Cuban Links Part 2. Um, yeah, it's funny because, you know, Raekwon, he credits Buster Rhymes as one of his mentors, and Buster Rhymes said that in an interview that I remember from back in the day, he said that ODB taught him how to format his album. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah, cause I, think, I think on that same um, article or whatever, he went on to say um, that, you know, I think um, the first ODB, the return to the 30 Chambers was like his, his most favorite album or something like that. Yeah, I mean... Man, that album was dope. And I remember, um, I remember, uh, you know, I had a point in my life when, you know, I, I was real big on ODB and, um, my homeboy was like, you know, I'm crazy. Like, <laughs> like, you know, it was kind of a joke 
But I was serious. Like, <laughs> ODB is the truth. I mean, yeah, man. Like, um, you know, like, because, um, I realized that, and, you know, it's funny, like, what you said, like, in the, uh, the description for the last episode that somehow, um, all of our episodes revert back to, to the Wu thing. I was just thinking about that. Um, but yeah, man, like, sometimes when it comes to, like, my most favorite, like, solo Wu album, I always fluctuate. And it's kind of, like, just based on, like, the mood I'm in. If I'm listening to it, I'm like, oh, man, no. Like, you know, I'll say to myself, like, they, oh, no, this is, like, the best solo album. But overall, I talked to my brother for what I told him. I said, you know, I'm really thinking that ODB's album is probably the best, like, the best solo album out of all of them. Because it's, I don't, it's, it's real. I mean, actually, all of them are, good, are consistent, but it's something about that album, like, I think to this day, no one has ever done the album like that. Maybe little, if you want to say Lil John to a certain extent, but not on like not not lyrically. It's it's just something that just hasn't been done ever yet again, and that was ninety in what ninety three. I mean, I think I think what ODB did with that album is what the Beatles did. And all them people back then when they were experimenting with psychedelics, like, that's that's coming from a higher power. And that higher power is drugs. <laughs> well, see, that's that, too. That's why, like, some, you know, when you talk about, I think Buster Reed you said Buster Rhymes mentioned confidence. I'm like, well, he was high at the time, so of course he had confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, uh, he, he just, I mean, that album is just so dope. And, um... Like, I think, you know, in terms of just originality and an album that, that you know, nothing can kind of, like, touch it or nothing has come since, I don't know if you're going to agree with me on this, but I got to say Iron Man. John, do you mean, like, when you say in terms of, like, not touching it, what do you mean exactly? <laughs> I mean, in terms of like the sound and just the uh, the way the lyrics were formatted and all that. I mean, I know you probably say Supreme Clientele because that's real abstract and probably drug influenced as well. But I mean, just uh, what was that song? Was it number two on Iron Man? Uh, Wildflower. Yeah, Wildflower. Was ODB on that song? No, actually, no, ODB was, you know, he wasn't, ODB wasn't on the album, actually. Right, he wasn't on that album. I don't know why I always <laughs> think ODB's on that song. I must be thinking about domestic violence with RZA, but, um... Oh, he wasn't on that either. ODB wasn't on domestic violence? <laughs> no, no, it was him and that, that girl that's always popping up on a digital album. Oh, well, I must be thinking about... Oh, you Black Widow. Black Widow, yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, hold on. But, but, you know, but the funny thing, you know who made that beat right, though? Who? Uh, Inspector Deck. I, you know, I was just about to say, Inspector Deck. Inspector Deck be making beats on the low, man. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. But, and, yeah, go <laughs> And, uh, man, first off, yo, Inspector Deck is one of the most underrated rappers of all time. 
I mean, he is, but like, but what are we basing this off? Of? I mean, I hope this is more than just like the triumph beat. I'm, I'm sure that you're going into like his first album and like I guess Wu Tang albums and stuff like that. No, his first and second album. The second album is dope, but not even just the triumph. For I mean, first off, he has one of the most iconic verses in hip hop ever. Like I bomb atomically. Socrates' philosophies and hypotheses can't define why I be dropping these mockers. Like, it's to the point where if I knew back then that a rapper would be sitting with Neil deGrasse Tyson, I would have picked Inspector Deck over Jizza. <laughs> you know what? That's very true, though, because, I mean, Jizza never mentions anything scientific. Not until, like, later on, but even even going back to um 36 Chambers, like, Inspector Deck just steals the show. Like, um, I'm the Messiah. I set the microphone on fire. Rap styles carried and very like Mariah. Yeah. Like, yo, he he used to just come on the track and just shut it down. But, you know, I think, um, like, you know, like, if you basically, like, on the Wu-Tang Manual, you remember, like, when they were all, like, broken up and they had, like, certain people that, like, they were under or whatever like that. And I think, I think Inspector Deck was under Jizza. I think, I, I think, I think, I think Jizza took Master Killer and Inspector Deck under his wing. Yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, Raekwon talked about um, uh, Master Killer because I think Ice T asked about Master Killer, and he said, "Yeah, that was Jizza's homeboy." And just by him always being around Jizza, they was just like, you know what, you in the clan. Hmm. You know, shit, it worked out for him. I mean, I mean, I think there's been there's 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 been more occurrences than what I think than what we actually know about people just sitting on the couch when people are recording and they become who they are. I mean, look at Jay Electronica. Yeah, man, that was like crazy. When Saigon said he was working on his album and it was some random dude on the couch, and then later on he realizes that's the Jay Electronica that they've been all <laughs> that everybody's been talking about. Yeah. Like, that's crazy, man. Um, and, you know, it makes me sad. This is a whole other topic, but, and, and and we've talked about this before, but, you know, it really makes me sad that people only know Saigon for um, love and hip-hop. When, like, this man made The Color Purple. Like, this man made Do-Rags. And, you know, yeah, hip-hop, love and hip-hop. This man made yeah. the greatest story never told. And you know him for love and hip hop. Like great story never told. If that joint came out in the mid two thousands when it was supposed to, I mean that's at least a four point five Mike album. Now, now what did it get, Mike Wise? I think it might have gotten four point five Mike's. Yeah, you, you know what's interesting is that, like, like I think it's like a general consensus between all of us that, you know, people in our circle that it, that the double uh, XL is way better than the source, but we always go by mics. I mean, because the source was first, and the source was, you know, that initial thing of uh, credibility, and the source used to be better than double XL at first. I mean, I don't know. I mean, because I always remember like the like the double XL just coming out the gate because the source started becoming a bit too commercial by the time the double XL came out. I mean, the problem with double XL was um, 
it seemed to show favoritism, especially once, you know, Genius started popping and like 50 Cent has so many covers and Aftermath and G-Unit and Game and like that whole click, they just ran that whole double XL thing. And you know, Elliot Wilson, he always chalks it up too. That's what's popping right now and that's what we're going to put on our magazine. So I guess now people, um, well for a while people were criticizing Rat Radar for, you know, always posting Rick Ross and MMG and stuff like that. But you know, uh, he always one? says, you know, he's not the one that's going to break new talent. He's the one that's going to cover what's popping. But, um, I don't know. Like, I was always, like, it took me a while to to, to switch over. Uh, maybe because I'm a little bit older than you, but it took me a while to switch over from the source to double XL. Well, see, that's the thing. I mean, I was, but but the thing is, I, I think since I was like kind of raised on the source, you know, you know, even like you know, my mother would buy them sometimes just for her own reading. Um, I, I was still only by the source compared to you know Double XO. Yeah, I mean, I used to. Um, I started off buying the source, and then I used to have to buy the source and Double XO. Um, uh, and, and then when Scratch came out, you had to buy Scratch. Yeah, yeah. Then I had to buy Scratch. I still, man, I'm my Scratch magazines. They got like water damage to them, but I bought every single Scratch magazine. Like that was the dopest magazine ever. And I heard that they were supposed to keep it going at least online, but I don't think they really did that. I mean, maybe someone, maybe someone could do with those, do with them. Maybe, man. I mean, I'm like Scratch had the uh, they had the DJ notation in the back to like yeah. how to like scratch certain things and how they did it. Like that was just dope. Like that just made me want to hop on the turntables and figure out how to do that shit. Like, and to this day, like I'm gonna get some turntables and I'm gonna become a master DJ. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, like speaking of turn turntables, this is something um, that kind of. Because for some reason, after listening to this album, I, I think I, I finally realized, I guess, like, the art of scratching. Because I never really thought about it. And I guess in a way that I can know. Um, well, actually, <laughs> actually uh, Billy Woods' album. Okay. Um, and for the listeners who don't know about Billy Woods, um, I don't know. Well, I, I don't. we have no idea about the demographic. But assuming that you know who Cannibal Ox is. <laughs> and assuming you know who Voodoo Mega is, <laughs> um, Billy Woods is Voodoo is Voodoo Mega's um, kind of homeboy. And so Billy Woods' first two albums, which came out on Backwood Studios, which actually Billy Woods still on Backwood Studios, um, he had his first two albums with Voodoo Mega, but it was co-starring Voodoo Mega, obviously for promotional reasons. Um, and then he eventually he broke away from that. And he kind of. Um, Gain some type of um, following in the underground, um, and now he has this new album entitled um, "Today I Wrote Nothing" that came out maybe like two months ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and you know it's like maybe like twenty four tracks, and it's kind of like he he kind of took like the the uh, the mad villain route in that he has like a bunch of tracks, but all the tracks are really short. Um, but he does have like maybe a, quite a bit of scratching on some of the songs, 
And just like the way that done, it's like yeah, actually speaking of it, he has he has like an MFM scratch on one of his songs. Mm. It's real, but it's like you know, it, some of the scratches on this album, it seems like they were just thrown on there just like just for the sake of doing it. And compared to like maybe a, a premiere that actually you can tell he like he takes time with his samples, trying to figure out which one will like will truly fit. You I mean, know, he through his scratches and creates art from it. Yeah, I mean, and actually, just, I mean, just like listening to Billy Woods' album, like like the songs that he has that has scratching on it, it made me like fully realize it. Because other than that, I really never paid too much attention to um, the scratching on like, you know, on a, on a Game Store album or something like that. Oh, man, that's half of the joy of Game Store albums. I mean... I guess to a certain extent. I mean, but sometimes I'll get tired of it. I think that's the thing. I get tired of DJ for me. I mean, but I know I know that's his signature because a lot of people can't do that, obviously. Yeah. Oh snap! And everyone uh, pulled up Billy Woods on um on Spotify. She says um song with this dude Euclid. Um, oh oh yes oh yes right. That's what I meant to tell you that um yeah Euclid is all is all over his um his album. Yeah, I remember Euclid had his dope. I don't even think I'm, I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, just looking at the spelling of it right now. <laughs> uh, it looks like... He, oh, Elucid. That's what it is. Um, but, um, yeah, I think I was supposed to do a song with him back in the day. I never did, but he had some dope-ass shit that was out. I mean, you know, I mean he's pretty good on his own. Yeah. I mean, like, the, uh, the songs that I heard from the album that I listened to, it was like... It was like real rock based, like it wasn't real hip hoppy. So it's like kind of yeah. hard for me to picture him on some some actual rap track. <laughs> but, I mean, that's um, the thing. Like some of these tracks aren't really. I mean, I mean, I guess they are because like um like the the route that Billy Woods took on this album is like they're um they're like really like two bar loops for the most part. He's just like rapping over them, uh, and um it, it's really minimal. But then he does have maybe like two or three tracks that like are kind of like really rocky. Well, I see Billy Woods is performing in uh, Philly. In Baltimore, too, I think, 28th. Okay. Uh, he's in Philly on the 22nd. So I think maybe we can make an excursion out there if you're uh, back in town. Yeah, man. Like, yeah, I, I, I want to. I need to see Billy. I mean, because I mean, do, do you remember any of the songs that I, I sent you? Like, a, what, like two years ago? Not really. I mean, he in so many words, he, he kind of sounds like me. What I'm trying to do. Hmm. And I was so I don't really understand. I mean, maybe that's some good white people behind them or something. I don't know. I'm gonna <laughs> check them out and uh, give you my review. <laughs> I mean, because I. Because um, maybe I just didn't sing you like the right singles, but I, I think you will like them though, for the most part. I'll check them out because you know my musical st- uh, interests have uh, definitely changed over time, and a lot of stuff I said was like whack and trash before. You'd be surprised when I say I like it now. <laughs> I mean, shit, look at me, man. I mean, I like. Uh, I mean, come on, who would have thought that? You know, if you if you would have talked to me what four years ago, I would say that I would I. I and appreciate Young Thug. Yeah, I'm 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 surprised about that. You probably appreciate him more than I do. I mean, I mean, he he has rhymes. I mean, if I don't know, I mean, we've seen Gucci Man rap over the Shook Ones beat. 
I don't know how he would really do over a beat like that, but, you know, if he was decent or whatever or even nice on it, I wouldn't be surprised. That's true. I mean, like, and I guess, um, you know, we were talking about this off air, but, you know, going back to our conversation from the um, last episode um, where you were talking about um, that Young Thug intro, I went back and I listened to... uh, different Gucci Mane uh, mixtapes. And, and I think I found two of them on Spotify that had a Young Thug intro, and they were dope. And then I ended up listening to good portions of these Gucci Mane mixtapes. And Gucci Mane was kind of killing it. Like, that one line I sent you when he said, um, damn, what did he say? Uh, he said, uh, I'm a dinosaur, you a herbivore. I'm using yeah. words you never heard before. I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> I, mean, that's, I don't know. This is the thing, like, for, like, that type of, I don't know, maybe, like, the like the audience that he's trying to reach, and, you know, that's a, that's a good thing. But then you just think about, like, god damn, man, these are the words that, you know, that these niggas ever heard before. <laughs> I mean, herbivore, maybe. I mean, of course, niggas heard dinosaur, but, you know, I mean, in the general conversation, you know, who who is really going to know what an herb, uh, herbivore is? I mean, I guess that's true because, I mean, to this day, people don't exactly know what a pescivore is. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I mean, I didn't know what a, you know, a, a pescatarian was until my um, homegirl, who's a pescatarian, uh, explained it to me. And I was like, oh. So it's like, you know, if you don't encounter these people in your daily life, you know, you really have no reason to use these words. So, you know, I guess I don't really blame people for lack of certain vocabulary. Because, you know, us with our uh, dietary constraints and restrictions, quote-unquote, you know, uh, we... uh, have specialized jargon. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's true, but you. I, I think the thing about me and like when, when you sent me that uh, that quote from Young Thug and from the song, I think the thing about him that I do like is that how yeah, Gucci his man bo- said it. Oh, Gucci Man said it. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, well then, well, it's not. That's not why I respect that from him. And, you know, even like you know certain things. <laughs> Even, like, certain things, though, like, that, that he said over, the, like, the years that, like, I will always kind of, like, down upon, like, when he said that he comes out icy than, like, more icy than a Bud Light or some shit like that from, from one of those bird print mixtapes. And just thinking about, I don't know, just thinking about, like, nowadays compared to, like, the shit that we're hearing now on the radio and, you know. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to call you out, man. <laughs> why? Why you say that? Because, man, you can't talk about that line when Big L said something like, I'm colder than an icebox. And you thought that line was so hard. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, okay. He said harder things in that same verse. That line was kind of corny. It was kind of like one of them lines that get you to the next line. I'm colder than an icebox. Like, but you were like, yo, he said I'm colder than an icebox. And you were, like, so passionate about that line. And I'm just like, why? 
And now you want to criticize Gucci Man for saying, I come out icy than a Bud Light. That's that's more lyrical than what Big Al said. I mean, we'll see that. That's very true. But then if you want to go into, like, the history of, of refrigerators, and, you know, like, you know, before, like, the actual refrigerator, from what I'm understanding from oral history, that was an actual icebox. Yeah, we and had put, one, remember? I mean, like, an icebox, you put, like, actual dry ice in. Yeah. Remember, um, in the kitchen, we were real young on Baker Street, and... Um, we had the refrigerator, and then there was that other thing that was by the door. Remember that? I mean, I, I, mean, I vaguely remember it, but did we have dry ice in it? <laughs> I don't think we used it. It was yeah. just sitting there, but it was probably used at one time before we were born. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was used to uh, hold granddaddy's liquor or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! I you know I didn't think about that, but um, but yeah, yeah, you know we had an ice box, but see, when Gucci Man says um I come out icy like a Bud Light, you know the icy is a double entendre kinda, and it's a metaphor like I'm cold and then I'm icy with the jewels or whatever, and then you know metaphorically relating it to a Bud Light being the coldest beer supposedly whatever that's the dumbest marketing thing ever but people buy into it whatever but yeah. when Big L says I'm colder than an icebox it's like that's it okay Oh, well, I mean, well, I think at that time, because I mean, cause now, I mean, I don't exactly see it as the hardest line ever, but at that time, you know, I, I, I was still new to Big L, so, you know. You remember and, that, though? You know, yeah, I clearly, yeah, I, I, okay. yeah, I clearly remember it. <laughs> um, I mean, actually, I was listening to him like a while ago, and I came across that, and I was like, oh, I remember that. I thought that shit was hard. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, but, um, crazy over that line. I mean, well, yeah, I think about, I mean, this is the same person that said, you know, put his brains in the street so you could see what he was just thinking. Mm. You know, shit like that. So I was still, I was still hyped up off just listening to uh, a man that mixed horrorcore and lyricism properly, I think. Yeah, I mean, as your girl, um, they say, no, as Beavis, I get nothing but head, like. <laughs> I think I think Big L was like the Rock Kim for uh, punchlines. Mm. Like how you know they say Rock Kim changed the way that rappers flow. Like Big L changed the way rappers formatted the words in their verses. And you know he's the blueprint for a fabulous for a mace for all of these dudes who are out now, especially like the Harlem dudes, of course, but, you know, and I used to hate on Cameron, but, you know, going back and listening, you know, I think, and maybe, you know, this might be considered hip-hop blasphemy, but I feel like Cameron kind of took what Big L did and elevated it to another level, kind of. Uh, 
I mean, I don't know. I mean, I never, I, I've never had a problem with camera. I don't, I don't think I would go that far though. Um, you never had a problem with camera? No, not really. I, I don't know. I guess me, you know, being, you know, into the type of things I was into. When this nigga said, I remember, I remember being in my homeboy's grandmother's kitchen. And we was all just chilling, sitting around, right? And I, I don't remember who all was with me, but we was just all together. You remember my whole crew from back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I made a joke about Cameron, and I said something about, you know, he should be funny just to, like, you know, freestyle, like, fake Cameron versus. And then I said something like the Rudy Tootie, Pooty Doody, or something like that, and then we happened to be just, you know, going through different uh, songs or whatever, and I think, you know, maybe one of my homeboys was a Cameron fan, so we end up on some Cameron mixtape. Oh, matter of fact, no, I think it was a Get Crunk music joint, and that joint was so hard, but... Whatever it was that he said, I said that on the freestyle, making fun of Cameron before I heard the song. <laughs> but, you know, I guess I was kind of, uh, you know, very late on um, Dipset because I get it now. And now nobody cares. I mean, yeah, it does seem like no one really cares about their um, reappearance on the scene or whatever like that. Uh-huh. But um, you know, I mean, because like when I remember when Cameron came out with you know, but you know, he came out with SDE and he had that 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 one music video when it seemed like he was like driving around throughout the whole music video or whatever it was. What means the world like, to you? Man, I don't, I don't know. I think like maybe it has like the title has something like. Fire or something like that, or oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, oh, 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 the um album was called Confessions of Fire. Oh, so it was SDE Confessions of Fire. No, 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 no. His oh, well, his first album was Confessions of Fire, and then he came out with SDE. Okay, well, shit, both of them, and you know, I never really paid, I never paid much attention to them because I mean, from at least the singles, I never cared much and then like the dipset thing was like, it seemed like in dipset's heyday you never really heard a lot from Cameron you only heard like a lot from like Jim Jones Jewels and every other person that wasn't dipset mm-hmm. and not really Cameron or, like, cause he would, it seemed like sometimes like on a mixtape that he had he would come out even like on Diplomatic Community, he wouldn't really rap all like that compared to like the Jim Joneses and the Jewels to a certain extent, it seemed to me. Um, I mean, I think, I think Cameron, you know, it seems for a long time that he just really raps for fun, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Like, he just, like, you know, he cares, but... He's just really fucking around with it. And I think that comes out in his lyrical style. And I think that comes out, you know, when he misses, he misses. But it's just because he's kind of fucking around and playing around, which I think sometimes is the best way to do music because when he hits, he hits. But, like, um, like now he said his next album is going to be his last. And it's probably not going to be great. But... It's going to be cool because it's Cameron, and it's going to be probably something that you expect from him, and it's going to be all right. 
because his, you know, his little EP series was real cool. You know, his mixtape before that was real cool. Everything he does, you know, he got some joints, some bangers or whatever. And I think, you know, in history, you know, in, in retrospect, you know, he made his, I mean, he definitely made his impact on the game. And then after he made his impact, I think people go back into some of that material and, you know, see what's really good. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean... Well, we all we all know that he pretty much had his his breakthrough with um, but he has commercial breakthrough with um, come home with me. But then he had like his critical debut, his critical breakthrough with Purple Haze. Purple Haze. And I mean, the, I mean, cause actually, I, I didn't like come home with me at all. You know what? I didn't like it at all either. But I think one day I was like, let me go back and listen to a bunch of Cameron, and I. I appreciate it now. Because it used to be that I only like one song off there. But now I like a lot of songs off there. Man, I remember the first time I listened to Old Boy, and it was on like a random, like one of those like random ass mixtapes that would have like a half naked lady, like female on it, on the cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I got it from my, uh, my mother, it was my mother's mixtape. She got it from my dorm. And, and I think I I think I had it like a year like a good year before he even came out. <laughs> I mean like that song, um that's still my summer anthem. I remember last summer I put that on the C D and rolled around to it, like from a lot of the summer. Cause like I mean that record was just crazy. Like I even though I didn't like Cameron at the time, there was certain joints I couldn't front on and that was one of them. What about, uh, what's it called? Take Me Home or Take You Home? Um, Take Me Home. Do I remember that song? I don't, I'm proud, alright, alright, and we can get it on tonight. Oh, 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 hey, ma. Oh, hey, ma, shit, damn, I was way off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I couldn't find that song either, or the remix. Um, I mean, even though I, you know, I, I think, my favorite artists are the ones who I don't like at first, and then I end up liking them. So, like, Cameron always had, like, even though, you know, I didn't like him, he always had them joints I couldn't front on. Like, um, Old Boy, Hey Ma, um, was he on Get Crunk Music? Yeah, I think so. Get Crunk Music. Oh, my goodness. When that song came out, I mean, that beat is still one of the hardest beats that I've heard in <laughs> in the past 15 years. Um, this is that bomb diggy diggy. Jewels did this thing on that, too. Um, and, you know, even Jewels, you know, I didn't like him at first. But um, when he came out with that second album, um, that was, like, maybe the second half of my freshman year in college. And... Oh man, that joint! I get the money like clockwork. Like, I want to say I'm, I'm still not a big fan of Jewel's or Jewel's period. But you're the one that was talking about his first album being so great, which made me go back and appreciate it more. <laughs> no, no, I don't recall ever saying that. I was talking about that fucking single that I still don't understand to this day. Oh, I thought you were talking about his whole his whole album and his whole rap style. Like, you know, you made me go back and listen to Jewel's and appreciate his rap style more. (laughs) 
Oh, oh, oh no. out, she don't even like it. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, that, that most definitely wasn't the goal. I didn't, I didn't have any intentions to try to get anyone in trouble back listening to that. And then but, I went uh, back and I listened to um, a bunch of Jewel's mixtapes, and um, that song he had, Red Bandana, that joint was hard. Like, I don't know, maybe if I went back and listened to his mixtapes. I mean, because, I mean, with all these dips that people, that's how I really seen. You got to go back and listen to their mixtapes to really um, understand them, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, but, I mean, the, like the JR writers and... Uh, I mean, I never really had a problem with Purple City Bird Gang either. I mean, that makes um, things pretty nice. I never really listened to them like that. Um, I do know, I mean, the two people who I can name from the group, Agala and uh, Uncasa. Uncasa was part of them, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I just, I've just heard things about him. And it makes me not appreciate the music as more as you know as much. Um, mm-hmm. But you know I probably shouldn't talk about all that. <laughs> um, but um, Agala, you know it'd probably be really interesting to uh, hear Agala, like hear him in an interview because I feel like I've heard of him doing some shit with Biggie and him having like a like a long lineage in the game even before then. And when I think of Agala, I don't even necessarily think of Purple City Bird Gang. You know what I think about? Um Auto. Yeah. <laughs> How did I know? Yeah, that's what he did with Sean Price. And that was, you know, how a lot of people, I mean, that, Grand Theft Auto might have been the beginning of the resurgence of Duck Down. You know, we talk about the whole triple threat thing, how they had the, um, the uh, Sean Price album and the Smith and Wesson and the uh, and the uh, Buckshot and uh, Nice Wonder, but I think that Grand Theft Auto three record kind of sparked it all off. I keep rising to the top, and I think that was yeah. a track on that um, on that Sean Price album, which is a personal classic for me. Mm, I mean, more so than Onion Head. I mean, I mean, the whole album is a personal classic, uh, but mm. Onion Head, god damn. I mean, there's so many records on that, on that fucking album. Like, I just remember, that just take me back to that time when I used to be interning at, uh, Strictly Hip Hop and I first heard that album. It's a lot, it's a couple joints that resonate with me from that time <laughs> of, uh, interning up there, but that Sean Price album was, was definitely one of them. And that was yeah. serious. And he's coming out with a new mixtape, even though I, 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 you know, I thought he quit rap. But he came out with a new record that I haven't listened to yet, and apparently he's coming out with a new mixtape. So maybe that's, uh, you know, maybe he's coming out with an album after the mixtape or something. I don't know. But any new Sean Price, I'm with it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like even like when came on said it's gonna be his final album, I highly doubt it. I don't necessarily doubt it from Cameron. I don't know, like, cause he's he seems like he's already done with it, but he's just doing it cause people want it, you know. Well, that's very, that's very thoughtful. Of him. Like, yeah, like Purple Haze too. Like, you know, people want it to so like I do this. Like, it seems like he was doing the little EPs just cause he felt like people want him. 
And it's like, you know, he don't even t- really take the time to get his joints mixed down right. He just puts them out. Like, Cameron operates like like an underground rapper, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, he operates like somebody like Blue or Charles Hamilton or somebody. Just put out material. It might not be mixed right. might not sound right, but there's some gems in there that some people will find, and they'll be their personal classics or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's cool with that because he got Juju, and Juju got a fat fat booty, and they seem to be having fun, and he has his other business ventures that he doesn't disclose. <laughs> Yeah, man, like, I wonder, I mean, because you were telling me something that he owned, like, he owns, like, some type of TV company or something like that. Oh, no, no, it's some type of deal that he was talking about he has with Netflix, and maybe it's not going through now, because remember, when he was doing his first of the month EPs or whatever, he was talking about that, and he, I remember he had the miniseries, and every time one came out, it would be an episode, but... I think Cousin Bang was a big part of that, and I think maybe he got locked up again or something, so those stopped coming out. So I don't know what's up with that Netflix thing, but, you know, I remember him being on the Breakfast Club talking about how he has a bunch of uh, business ventures, but he doesn't attach his name to it because um, people just hate. You know, but, oh, that nigga Cameron, he got a fucking McDonald's. I ain't going that shit. Because he said, you know, he's done the same thing in the past. And he said, check himself. Like, you know, why am I thinking like that? But it's just like an automatic thing, how niggas think. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, maybe he's going to put a killer season out on Netflix or something like that. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Killer season is classic, man. Like, I, um... You know, me and uh, one of our cousins, we uh, argue about killer season. And my whole thing is that Cameron made it like that on purpose. Like, it's supposed to be funny. And his argument is that this shit is just dumb. It's supposed to be good for real. And it just sucks. But, you know, Cameron knows what he's doing. Like, he knows that shit is low budgety and just hilarious for no reason like he knows this <laughs> oh, oh well, are you talking about the album or the movie uh the movie i mean yeah i mean well yeah i mean it's really it's, i mean it's really obvious it's, it's supposed to be funny yeah like this shit is just ridiculous like um there's no way that that you know is to be taken seriously for most of it <laughs> I yeah. mean, like, like, like he pissed on the dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think his, I think his actually, I think his most serious album was probably uh, the one, the one that talks about um, crime pays. So this is most serious album. I mean, because he really, I mean, they, I mean, I guess you get cookies, cookies, and apple juice. Um. Yeah, but, I mean, a lot of those songs weren't really, like, they weren't really funny. Like, even, like, like the one that me and you both, like, I don't know, one about, like, going to work every day or something like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, that was, I think, I think maybe your view of that album is clouded by that song. But, I mean, Bottom of the Pussy Hole. <laughs> 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 
was um, he's, uh, are you trying to say that Purple Haze is probably his most serious album? Or does he have a serious album at all? That's the question. I mean, Cameron is a character. I mean, if if any of his albums were actually serious, I would put it in the first three. Uh, Confessions of Fire, uh, SDE, or Come Home With Me. But Come Home With Me is when he started becoming the character. And Purple Haze, I mean, is Purple Haze the one that had that intro, or, or was that Killer Season? And you know what intro I'm talking about. Yeah, I think it was Killer Season. Okay. Um, yeah, 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 um, I'm trying to see, oh my god, Down and Out, that song was so hard, um, yeah, yeah I was thinking about the fact that you had a Kanye West track on it, yeah, no, actually he had two, the one toward the end that was, like, really hard, that he was, like, talking about his life, oh, was that the one with Jerry Ryder, that shake joint, nah, it was, like, it's like, I think it's just him, and it's like his really sad soul chipmunk sample. Mm. Trying to see. I remember, um, I remember back when Cameron first came out, um, my homeboy from kindergarten, man, he, he, um, he was really on it. And I forget if it's on the first or the second album, but he had a song. Um, and, you know, it was kind of biting off of an old soul joint, but it was like, I'm your mama, I'm your daddy, I'm that nigga in the alley, I'm your crack, I'm your weed, I'm that everything you need, I'm your pusher, man. Remember that song? Yeah. Yeah. Like, isn't, isn't like the soul song, isn't that, uh, isn't that Curtis Mayfield? I'm I'm looking for this. Are you talking about the song on um on Purple Haze? Nah, no, you said um. Oh, 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 that song. I it probably is Curtis Mayfield. Yeah, so um, I think that's uh, Pusher Pusher Man. What was what was that song was called? Um, yeah, I think it was called Pusher Man. Yeah, yeah, Curtis Mayfield, uh, Pusher Man. And for camera, I hit a drink called Pusher Man, and um, it's kind of like redoing that. Okay. And, like, you know, it was a bit of consciousness with it. <laughs> so that's why I say, like, his first two albums, maybe three albums, were a little bit more serious. And, you know, the rest, he just became larger than life and comical. And, you know, it was kind of like, it was almost a joke the way he made himself and it was like everybody was supposed to be in on the joke but some people took it too seriously I guess you know yeah I mean um, the dude came out with the pink Lambo <clears throat> I mean yeah but um I mean you know like an album like well a project that he did that no one ever talks about is his public enemy number one mixtape that was two CDs that no one ever talks about anymore. Yeah, man, that shit was hard. Yeah, it was. I mean, um, I taught my brother into listening to it, and he 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 likes it a lot. And I mean, even like glitter, that was, it was that was a pretty nice song to me. Yeah, there were a couple songs on there. Um, 
that he had. Um, I'm just I, like I just pulled up that piff and I'm looking on Cameron mixtapes. It's a like Cameron had a lot of material and some of it, like let's not forget those DJ drama mixtapes that he did with Vado. Of course, right. Um, he did what he did like what two point five and two two point two point two was some weird shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you know they were, you know I think it went up to number three, and then he did an album with Vado and. He had some joints that shut the summer down, at least in New York. Number, um, he had Speaking in Tongues, Avado. Um, what was the other one? Um, We All Up Ahead. We All Up Ahead. That joint was on there. Um, I mean, let's not forget, you know, what he did with Vado. Uh, Boss yeah. of All Bosses, yeah. And, and then he did uh, Cameron and the UN Present. Uh, heat in here. I'm trying to see if uh, any of this songs on here. Yeah, that shit came out. I don't think there's anything memorable off there, but um, yeah, that shit he did with Vado, and then the Boss of All Bosses joint. Oh man, and how he brought up A Rab music and had some joints with A Rab on there. I mean, and let's not even forget A Mafia. Boss of All Bosses too. A Mafia had his own song on there called A Mafia. <laughs> of course, of course he did. I mean, he just—I mean, I don't know. He, he just had such like a big presence whenever he on on any of his songs. Yeah, and he just um, you know, a mafia. You know, he just steps his game up as time goes on. Yeah, I haven't checked him out in a minute. And actually, my brother—he was um—he was asking me because he he couldn't think of his name. He just, kept, he just kept saying, you know, like the, he said, you know, the, the dipset nigga that I will, I will listen to all the time. <laughs> I'm surprised I, he said that because he was, he was a mafia out. Yeah, I mean, he was. Like, I was getting kind of tired of a mafia, but like, he, he said something about ducks. It was some, some hard line he said about ducks. <laughs> and I can't remember it, so now I, I need to go back and, uh, and try to find that song. But yeah, shout out to uh, to A Mafia. I hope he's not locked up now. I haven't heard anything from him in a minute, so that's usually what that means. Well, yeah, because I remember at one point he had like a pretty big web presence coming out with different videos every five minutes and um and stuff like that. Yeah, no, that's always a shame when um you know, somebody starts to get a buzz going and they get locked up and that shit just goes away and then they try to come back but they can never really get it back to what it was. Kind of like uh, the, guy, the guy from Philly, Cassidy's homeboy. <laughs> you know what's funny is that's kind of who I was thinking of. <laughs> I, mean, cause, I mean, I know that. I know he comes out, he's, he's been coming out with material but it seems like he's not getting a lot of uh, attention right now. Yeah, ARF. I mean, I guess you know, some of his his uh, attention was kind of based off the beef that he had with Cassidy and then how he started, like, I mean, he went in on Cassidy real bad. And Cassidy played it pretty well. He was just like, look, man, you know, I wish him the best, all this other type of stuff because he's getting locked up. And then I think um, the dude went inside it with Meek Mill, and I'm not sure if he is still cool with Meek Mill or not. Um, but I think, isn't he with... Um, them niggas OBF or whatever. Yeah, OBH. Yeah, OBH, yeah. I, I yeah. thought that was his crew. 
I thought he owned it or whatever. Or I don't know if he owns it, but I know he's he's like oh, well, I, I know he's like the leader of it. But I know he's part of it because you know Dark Low is with them. Um, who you know your brother likes a lot, and you know, I like a lot too, actually. I mean, actually, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with uh, with any of them from what I hear. Like they have, they have like this um, this other dude, and I think um, I think you heard the song. Like, he had like a song called "Sitting Sideways" or something like that. I, and, I don't really remember, but um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, they have like you know, they have Dark Low who does, you know. The East Coast type stuff, and they have like a dude who does like you know, down south stuff, and I guess other guys who I just don't, um, who I, who, who I haven't listened to yet. Yeah, I mean, like Philly man, they just they just come out with some of the best MCs ever. I mean, and I guess you know we didn't even get into this topic, but um, it's something that you talked about before the show, before we did the show, um. Thinking about the Young Guns' first album and how how dope that shit was. Oh yeah, man. I mean, like some, you know, I, I sometimes I sit around and just think about that album and how like no one cares about it. Yeah. But like, then, that yeah. shit was just hard, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, although I mean, I never really got, I I could never really rock with that can't stop, won't stop shit, but. That grew on me. I don't know. I mean, the beat was kind of... It was too... It was annoying. I mean, what I couldn't really rock with, which everybody loves, and I think, you know, Young Chris and Neef, they still uh, they still perform this song to this day because all the girls love it. Um, uh, that one, No Better uh, Love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, yeah. the music video, all the snow and shit. Yeah, yeah. I never liked that song. Yeah, I never really... I mean... I don't know. If I had to, if I had to, like, say, I would probably pick that one over. Can't stop, won't stop. I don't know, but like, I think that album is one of the albums that really made me like appreciate Just Blaze, because like, Just Blaze did this thing on that album, and there was some definite heaters that he produced on there. And like, actually, the I mean, that album was kind of, was almost a concept album because. You know, it's the whole story of how, you know, they got the deal and Neef, you know, he was still in the streets, but Chris was focused on rapping and, you know, they finally came back and did the album and Chris used to have all these solo mixtapes out and everything like that. And, um, I don't know, it's, you know, I always loved that album and it's crazy because, you know, after, you know, meeting young Chris a couple of times, he's he's one of the coolest people that you'll ever meet who's like, quote unquote, made it or whatever. And yeah. It's dope when you can appreciate an album that somebody did and then you meet them and then they're actually like a cool person, you know. Yeah, it's true. I mean, yeah, all the things that you've told me about him, he's, he does seem like a really cool dude. I mean, even like, you know, like, um... I did come up with like a with an EP recently or something like that. Um, I think I saw something on the blog. He came, he came up with something, I think. Um, but everything, but anyway, everything I've heard outside of like his young gun stuff, it wasn't really bad. Nah, nah. I mean, his stuff is pretty dope. I mean, his um, one thing I will say about him is that sometimes his songs are like real depressing. <laughs> And I guess maybe that was just the period that he was going through. 
Um, mm-hmm. But he had the network uh, mixtape series. And, like, yo, some of them songs is just too depressing to listen to. <laughs> and it's funny because, you know, they were kind of marketed as, like, you know, the young kids that the girls like and all that, can't stop, won't stop. But then when you go to the album, the album is kind of dark. And then when you listen to some of Young Chris's mixtapes, like, some of them records are real dark, and he's just, like, like, like you know them rappers that just list all their homies that died? Yeah. And they have, like, multiple songs of that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, damn, like... It's like two or three mixtapes of just everybody that just died or like something bad happened to them and over these depressing ass beats. But it's still dope. But, you know, it's like, you know, if you're in a bad mood, don't listen to that. But then after he did them depressing ass mixtapes, he did the uh, mixtape with Rico Love, which was kind of more up tempo because he signed a deal with um, Rico Love or whatever. And. That was hard too. It was more up tempo, a little bit more commercial sounding, but it was cool. And um, he actually had a joint with I think Rocks. No, nah, it was a Rock City, some reggae type of artist. It was a Rock City, or it was um, what's their name? Um, Born. Oh, I can't think of the name of them right now. Um, but you know. It's, He's one of them versatile artists who can kick it over anything. And you know the um, Young Chris controversy, right? No. About um, how Jay-Z stole his style and flow. Oh, yeah, 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 that one, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, pretty much like everybody, like Young Chris and Just Blaze and other people, you know, they all pretty much say, you know, when you're around people and you're working together, you... uh, you know, borrow from each other and stuff like that. But, you know, I remember when Jay-Z first came out with that flow on Murder, Murder, Marcyville. And, like, you know, when you go back and listen, that was kind of young Chris flow all day. <laughs> I mean, yeah, actually, I never really thought about it that way. But um, it's funny how you can... um. You can kind of, you can also look through Jay-Z, you can look at Jay-Z's progression through these, I mean, I guess nowadays, obscure Rockefeller albums that no one listens to anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about this before, I'm not sure we talked about it on the show in depth, but, you know, when you really go (laughs) to those those Rockefeller albums, like the Memphis Bleak albums and the Beanie Siegel albums and those, um... You know, Young Guns and stuff like that. And freeway albums. It's it's interesting to see, you know, Jay-Z's progression. It's interesting to see, like, how he does different things on other people's tracks. And um, now I think about it. I think Jay-Z is one of them dudes who shines with other people more sometimes. I mean, yeah, I can see that. I mean, I think one of his best uh, verses in like a, uh, in a while was um, on Drake's first album. Oh yeah. I mean, although I, I mean, although I, I do, I still think that Drake outshined him. Although I mean, that was just the for the president's first though, for real, from Drake as usual. <laughs> I mean, um, another verse that's dope 
that I didn't really catch at the time was uh, the classic record off Freeway's first album, which is a classic album. I don't care what nobody says. Is uh, what we do is wrong. And this nigga said, "Gotta kill witnesses because free beard sticking out." Like, <laughs> oh, of course. I mean, you have you have a personal attachment to it at this point. I mean, but that was just like a dope record. Matter of fact, Freeway cool as shit too. I don't really interact with him like that, but he seemed cool as shit. And from what other people say, you know, I've heard that he's mad cool. But yeah. Gotta kill witnesses because free beer sticking out. Like, what? Yeah. I mean, you know, we can. Well, I guess, mind you, we we uh we passed the uh, ninety minute mark. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We've uh gone pretty long with our uh, various hip hop conversation. I guess we could probably bring this to a wrap. Because our episodes would be kind of long, but, you know, we just be so into the music and rem- reminiscing about various songs and records. And it's amazing how much the human mind can store, <laughs> you know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I never realized I knew this, this much about Cameron. <laughs> That's crazy. <What's> like? <laughs> I mean, uh, when we went to the Mob Deep concert... I never realized I knew so many of their lyrics. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, yeah, that too. That's very true. That's crazy. But um, I guess in closing, um, any final words for the listeners? Oh, uh, let's see. Well, well I, I guess based on based off, off of uh, our statistics, we actually know we have listeners at this point. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it was something I wanted to say. Um, actually, I think I would just say um, go and listen to Q-Tip's first album. Um, I say that now. I can't think of the name of it right now at this point. Amplified. Amplified. Yeah, Amplified. That's all I got to say. All right. Um, I guess I will check out this Billy Woods character in depth. Um... If you're a hip-hop fan, go check out some of the uh, Rockefeller records that uh, don't get as much shine or much, uh, that aren't much talked about. Oh, that's um, a good one there. You said what? I said, I said yeah, that, that's, that's a good idea. Yeah, because, I mean, like, you'll definitely, if anything, you know, you'll hear some of Just Blaze's best work. I mean, we didn't even talk about State Property, Volume 1 and 2. Um, I'm sure even the movie at this point. Movies, we <laughs> talked about the movies before. You mentioned you want to talk about the movies before the uh, <laughs> uh, before we even did the show. Um, and, um, you know, look out for uh, athletes who become rappers. And uh, let us know what you think. Um, check us out, channel10podcast.com. Hit us up, channel10podcast at gmail.com. Subscribe, 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 subscribe. Check us out. Uh, comment, rate, all that good stuff. Like, click. Whatever you do, just click. Like, whatever you see us at, just click on everything that you can click on. And that's pretty much that. All right. All right. Until next week, peace out. Peace.
feeling this here. Yeah, son, you feel it, man. Roll it up, son. You gotta just do it, yo. Yeah, man. Yo, roll it up, man. It's a different again. channel, son. Roll it up, on, man. Roll it up, watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. Roll it up, all good, baby, in every hood, son. Roll it up, yeah. CNN, Network Channel 10. It's on again. Network Street niggas is grown men. Whoa, face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo, crime late. Cast more beef than Scarface. CNN, Network Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas is grown men. Whoa, face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo, crime late. Cast more beef.